Troops, here we are, another Eagle podcast, another exceptional guest. I don't know how I find him. I've got a great network of friends and I meet exceptional people. And the gentleman who's going to be coming on the podcast today is in that bracket. Um, I met him on the YMCA hike from Bishop Auckland to Durham. Um, very interesting chap. It's Graham from Canny Insight. Graham, how are you doing, sir? Hello, um, I'm good, thank you. And you? Um, brilliant. Um, if you just want to send me the invoice for that intro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, let's, let's start off with how we met, Graham. Um, that day uh, was fantastic, wasn't it? And, con- and, you know, big props to Andy for, you know, organising it and Rachel from the YMCA. Yeah, it was, well. a, it was a really good day. And um, it was kind of through Andy that I got involved, really, because it's one of those things I wouldn't necessarily have, um, have thought of doing it ordinarily, but... But his powers of persuasion uh, were like, okay, <laughs> you're fine. I'll I'll sign up and uh, and support what you're doing. And actually, it, it was fantastic because I was I've always been a bit wary of um, of doing kind of group yeah. hikes of any kind because I yeah. I was a bit concerned about being uh, too slow or too fast or or whatever. But it, it it was it was really lovely actually. It was it it was great to meet so many. Uh, interesting people who I hadn't met before and it was perfect weather as well it was very lucky that uh, that of all the weather we've had in October it was um, it was the one uh, warm and bright Saturday so it it made it a perfect day to just go out there and, and meet new people and enjoy some scenery and have a well-earned beer at the end of it yeah we are very lucky that we got such a great day weather-wise for the start of October um, and actually it just proves that you don't have to go to the Lake District or to Scotland. What we've got on our doorstep actually is really, really good. And since we're trying to sort of promote local and our own areas, I try to promote the countryside around County Durham, North Yorkshire, um, Weardale, Teesdale, etc. And I always sort of try where possible to finish with local business. Um, I always sort of try and build a, a working relationship with um, either a certain coffee shop or example in Bishop Auckland, there's the Auckland Cupcake Company. They're fantastic. Mm. Um, and and that's what it's all about. And obviously tying that in with um, Andy's app, Rome, tying it in with the YMCA, uh, meeting yourself, meeting uh, Simon and the other really interesting people on the day. Um, was a great uh, a great experience, and I think you know we should probably do it again next year. If if I'm honest, it should become an uh, an annual event and just pray for good weather every year. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm, I'm I was saying right after it that I'd love to do it again. I think uh, it's like all these things; people can be a bit wary of something that's new. But I think once you've done one of them, and yeah. you've got the and you've got the kind of evidence of doing it, and all the all the photographs yeah. and video, yeah. it makes it makes it a much easier sell next time. It makes it a much easier sell, um, absolutely. And of course, we get to finish in Durham, uh, which is a great city, um, and sort of taking the culture and, and, and the uniqueness and, and all the sort of great stuff that goes on there. Um, you combine the things that matter, which is the outdoors, fitness, and community, as in meeting new people. It's it's what we were designed to do. That's why we've got a mouth in, 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 and that's why we can talk. These are the skills that we were given. Um, and I feel like we've, we've progressed away from them. Technology phones are a great thing, but actually 
it's good to get next to someone and actually have a conversation and find out um, who they are, where they are, what they are. Um, mm. and, and I think that's what we've sort of moved away from. Um, so you're um, on the scene, aren't you? Networking, high street. You are, yeah. you, you are the guy. Like, let's, talk about, let's talk about your role and what it is you actually do. Okay. Um, well, I, uh, as you said, I run a retail consultancy called cannyinsights.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been going about 10 years now. It's my own business. Um, cool. and, and basically, um, if people ask me what I do, I kind of say that I'm, I'm a bit like a Northeast Mary Portis. So I'm, <laughs> right, I'm, a, kind of, cool. I'm a kind of queen of shops. Um, cool. um, and, and so, yes, a lot of it is, is about the high street and about celebrating the good stuff that's out there and, and giving the businesses and the places that need a bit of help, some help, uh, because I think uh, it's very easy to get sucked into all the negative stuff, but there's lots of a really, a really lovely places um, and, and great businesses. And sometimes, uh, you know, all it needs is a bit of a marketing push or a bit of advice, a bit of one-to-one support. And yeah. you can really make these places and these businesses do even better than they already are. So, so I see myself as somebody who is, uh, who is countering all the negative stuff and, and championing the high street and particularly picking up the northeast as well because the northeast is a region that doesn't get a lot of coverage in the in the retail world normally mm. when you talk about negativity what has caused the decline in the high street is it purely the internet or is there other factors as well um it's a whole combination of things that's so of course the internet is is one factor because people who are shopping online aren't necessarily shopping on the high street as well. But, but, but if you look at somewhere like Bishop Auckland or Durham, um, mm-hmm. a lot of the time it's, it's those big retail parks as well. You know, you can't go and build a huge out of town thing uh, anchored by Marks and Spencers and so on and yeah. not expect that to impact on the historic and traditional centers. So out of town is a big factor. And then all the things that you hear everyone like me talking about uh, business rates are a big issue right. as, um, as those are set by the government. So, so it's not something that landlords can influence. Um, if you're a landlord, you can kind of be flexible on the rent, but you can't change what the business rates are. Um, right. It's like a tax really. And yeah. that's a big, uh, it's a big impact in many cases. Um, and then also, um, Oh, I, I'm, I, uh, I've lost my thread. Now, where was I going? There's one more thing. <laughs> That's about... right. um, well, oh, oh, yes, of course. Um, uh, I guess recording this on the 31st of October, I could hardly forget that the B word is obviously also oh, right, a yeah. factor. Yeah. Uh, um, so all the uncertainty around uh, around what's happening with the country and um, and people, I think, are are a bit wary of of spending their money and uh, and investing in things when they aren't quite sure what the future is going to hold and what mm. our our future of the country will look like. So there's a combination of things all, all happening at once, really, which is quite a, uh, it's quite a unique situation to have so many uh, uh, challenging factors all colliding at one time. And, and do you think what, what the high street needs to become, it needs to become uh, less but better than sort of how it's sort of gone where you had the Woolworths, the Smiths, all of these big retailers that came in and, and did a lot under one roof and sort of really didn't care that the sweet shop went out of business 
and they didn't care that the Abadashri went out of business. Like, it, it's almost like that's come and gone now. And then sort of like, and I'll, and I'll use the Auckland Cupcake Company as, a, as an example. They just sell cupcakes. And, but they're so good, they go to the Barnet Castle Market, Darlington, Durham, um, Bishop Auckland, obviously. Great social media presence, fantastic sort of branding. Uh, number one, um, friendly staff, but as well, like the, the product is really good. Mm. And like, I literally created a hike where I could finish at their shop. Like, you know, and whenever I do finish there, I always have a team photo outside. I always mm. go inside. I encourage people to um, to go there. Um, I, I think it's fantastic. But I think we do need more individualism back in the high street yeah. um, than it's all under one roof. Personally, things like Sports Direct for me, personally, I choose not to shop there because I don't like what it represents. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your sort of take on any of them points? No, um, I think your point about uh, places becoming more individual and more distinctive and more interesting is um, mm-hmm. is absolutely right. And that's uh, that theme is something that is is very prominent at the moment in in all the debate around what the future high street looks like because I think you can't um, uh, turn back the clock on the big retailers who are pulling mm-hmm. out of the high street but if you look at, at the independents there are still plenty of independents who who do want to open uh, in town centres and and in many cases those are are really good really local really interesting and, and unusual businesses so i think the future high street will be less clone like um, mm-hmm. in the past we, we talked about clone towns a lot and that, that is, is going and the clone town is is ending really because because independence of where the growth are places mm. are becoming more diverse um and and so i think um uh, in the future you'll have a high street that is more tipped in favor of independence alongside um, more different uses too. So you'll have more people living and working around the high street and community uses too. So you're starting to get lots of things like uh, council uh, customer service points and libraries yeah. and, and community centres and you know, all those kind of things happening in high streets too. So in a way, it's, it's, going back a bit, it's going back a bit more to how places were, I would say, 150 years ago before they became homogenous retail. So... It's, yeah, um, it's an evolution, if you like, back to how places used to be when they were the, the hubs of their community. That's a great point, and something I sort of remember. And, and when we walked from the train station down Bishop, it's hard for me because I'm a Bishop lad. In the early two thousands, when I was sort of around down Bishop, there wasn't an empty shop, and there was mm. a lot of there was a lot of individuals. Yes, there was. John Menzies, Woolworths, uh, Smiths, and then sort of like McDonald's. And, and, and then what you're saying about clonism, you, you, I've never heard that term before, but you're completely right. It is the same shops, just in a different town, mm. in a different town. And it's like, where was the, where was the individualism? And then it's, it's, it's interesting. You walk down the town and there's so many shops closed and you think, it's awful to see it. And then you think if I'm working Monday to Friday and the Saturday and Sunday is my downtime, 
I want to go somewhere at the weekend where it's actually a nice experience. Yeah, it's absolutely. Easy, it's easy to park. There's things I want to do. There's things I want to eat. There's things I want to see. And do I want to go down a derelict shop, shopping centre? Pro- mm. Probably not. Um, but it's a double-edged sword because you need people to go down to spend money to keep shops open. And if people don't go down, don't spend money, shops don't stay open. Um, and you can have the best brand in the world, but if no one knows about it, then, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of, um, you're snookered. So what could, what can shops, local business brands do? What's your, what's your sort of tips? Yeah, well, 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 it's a good question because, because all those points that you made are very yeah. valid. As, as there are lots of really good businesses out there. And sometimes because people just assume that a town like Bishop Auckland is dying or dead, they yeah. don't always, always go and explore and find out you know, what, what good stuff there is. So I try, and, I try and always approach places by looking at, at what's there rather than what's empty. Yeah, I use I use that as my starting point. Cool. Um, um, and then I I if I'm working with businesses like in Chesterley Street, I do quite a lot of work in Chesterley Street. That is, um, right. Uh, uh, it's partly it's partly funded by the local retail landlords and partly by the council. And yeah. that that means I'm spending about five days a month doing work in and around Chesterley Street. And and some of the things that I do there, for example, is is making sure that businesses are on Google Maps. Uh, it sounds obvious, but just being visible. Yeah. Um, um, if your business you know, isn't on Google Maps, people can't find it. Um, yeah. If, you, if you're not on Google Maps, you then don't show up on kind Google of Andy's search. app. Yeah. yeah um, uh, Andy's app, Rome, for example. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. The, um, It pulls all the results from Google. So, so there's all these implications of not being visible. And then um, other things like being on social media too. Um, uh, we know from from what we've done in Chesley Street, that um, it, it can be hard to get people to to turn from liking things on Facebook into actually getting into into the yeah. shop. But yeah. it does happen. We know that it does drive footfall if you if you can appeal to them in the right way and and communicate uh, all the good stuff that you offer uh, in your shop or your cafe or or bar. And it's it's really it's really fulfilling when I go and talk to the retailers and they'll say. Oh, someone came in today who'd seen me on Facebook, and that's great. It's it's it's, it's showing how the internet can be a a positive thing for bricks and mortar retail, rather yeah. than something that is uh, uh, is a thing that uh, takes away from bricks and mortar retail. It's it's baffling to me why now in this day and age, why a shop doesn't matter what you sell is not on some sort of platform. Now, if I was a shop and I was selling, I'll stick it to what I know, hiking goods, I would be all over Instagram like it was going out of fashion. Um, putting your own style, stories, interacting with public, interacting, making it funny, making it stand out, um, all that sort of stuff. So is it a generational thing? So shop owners, I, I don't know any shop owners. Well, I, don't, I know one, sorry. But is it a generational thing why, they, why they're not on Facebook or Instagram or, or TikTok or Pinterest or whatever they're on? What, what do you find is the blocker? Hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, it's, I think to an extent, you'd probably say that more young people are comfortable at using these things and more yeah. older people 
aren't quite sure where to start, you know, broadly speaking. But it's not always like that in, in that you get some young people who will be all over Instagram and Facebook for their personal lives, mm. but, but who haven't really got a clue how to use it for their business. Yeah. And equally, you'll get some people who are a bit older, you know, who will really embrace these things. So one of the businesses um, I know and like well is, uh, is a shop called Guru in Darlington. I don't know if you know yeah, it. Yeah, 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 Guru, yeah. Um, I um, it's run by a lovely lady called Beryl, who has, who's been running it um, there since 1972, I think. And um, wow. she won't mind... She won't mind me saying that she is um, a lady of a certain age. She's in her 70s. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not me kind of outing her age. She's yeah, no, no, own, no, no. Yeah. She's quite open about that. But, but she's great at how she uses Facebook and Twitter and really embraces all these things. So I think yeah. um, it's, it's helped her win over a new generation of people um, who might not have been around uh, in the 70s or yeah, 80s. Yeah. But but who like what she's doing and, and hear about it through these new channels. So, so I made the point in an article recently that, uh, that it's never too late for a business like that to, uh, to really take on board you know, all, these, all these modern tools that are there. But in many cases, people do need a bit of a helping hand, and that's where you know, I often come in. Um, and sort of, I, I think as well, a business needs... Um, more than one avenue to pay. Um, I went for some fish and chips the other day and I was shocked when they said, oh, sorry, it's cash only. Now, I don't know about you, Graham, but I, I don't really carry cash on me. Like, I might have a tenner. So, like, same, every, yeah. everything is everything is card. And I'm probably a little bit behind the curve because now I see a lot of people paying with the phone. So, mm. the Apple Pays, um, Google Pay. And I was like, cash i was like oh i haven't got any cash on me she's like oh well there's a cash machine down the road and i thought why is a business would you limit yourself to only having one option of payment it's mm. you know is that something that you tell business owners like you've got to have these things available like absolutely again it can be a bit of a hard sell sometimes because um some of these small businesses you know are are running incredibly tight ships they don't yeah. necessarily have a lot of spare cash for anything but yeah. but i do make the point that um that in this day and age you know it's very it's very likely that that if you invest in a card machine it will pay for itself in no time because, yeah absolutely uh, you know, all those customers who you might lose otherwise um and and the joy of it is um is that yes there are all kinds of different um you know payment options out there different uh different levels of card machine but but if you just want something basic you can get a thing off paypal or, yeah. or one of the other uh, cheap and cheerful things which is it's fairly low risk and uh, and you can try that out and then if your if your turnover increases there are other options that are better suited to businesses that that are selling more like big cafes and things so so it's not as um as scary as as you might think and again uh, part of what i can do there is because i'm well networked I know yeah. different people who offer these things and who I trust. And yeah, so, if yeah. need be, yeah. so if need be, I'll always, I'll always say, well, have a chat to so-and-so and he'll, uh, he'll advise on what the best option is for your business. Uh, uh, because I think so often it, it can be quite hard to navigate um, uh, all the different choices there are for things like card machines mm. and utilities and whatever else there is. And yeah. there are people out there, unfortunately, who will, 
who will offer things to retailers that aren't right for them and then they'll disappear and, yeah, and, leave, yeah. the, and leave these traders with a big monthly bill so I try and um, I try and and approach everything in a in a kind of very open way and uh, and and focus on what will help the, the retailer ultimately. So, just say you go into a, a business. Have you got sort of like Graham's top five of things that you must do straight away? So, either dress the window, improve the card payment, sort out your social media. Um, like, is there something that you implement? Do you have steps that you sort of implement to help people out? Um. Yeah, to an extent, I suppose I I never go in with preconceived ideas. So I think um, I think possibly the way in which I differ from Mary Portis yeah. is, that, is that in her programs, it sometimes felt like she was going in and imposing her will. Her, yeah, her will on businesses, yeah. and ultimately, it's not going to work. Um, mm. uh, if I want these businesses to do well, I really have to carry them along with me and to nurture them and, and to support them and for them to be comfortable in everything they're doing so so i i never go in gung-ho and and try and make them change things um unless they want to i, I try and gently persuade and inform and encourage but yeah. you're right that that certain things as basics you know i would i would always want to make sure that the curb appeal as i call it is mm-hmm. is is good. So is your is your shop front uh, clean and welcoming? Yeah. Uh, uh, is it communicating what you offer? Is the window decent, as you mentioned? Uh, is there a, is there a sign saying what you offer so that people who are going by on foot or in the car or on the bus can see what you are? All those kind of things about the first impressions. Um, you know, are you are you giving a friendly welcome when people come in? You know, or you sat there on your phone ignoring them? Hmm. Um, Great and point. then. And for sure, um, you know, being Googleable. So, so if I go onto the computer or my smartphone and search for this business, is it there basically? And and if it is there, is what is you know out there on the internet up to date and correct? So, so sometimes, as I say, it's uh, it's making sure that a business is on Google Maps, and then it's making sure that they claim their Google My Business listing so that they can update that with the correct. Uh, opening times and and pictures and all that kind of thing so there's yeah. a few basics but but it's very much a case of of going into the business understanding the business talking to the owner and and just taking it from there it's quite collaborative really yeah no no it's 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 a great point and um I, you you like to um whenever i buy my hiking boots i don't um I don't go for the cheapest online boots. I do go to a retailer, which is sort of more expensive, but the knowledge of the guy selling the boots is, is I think why I shop there because they've got the, they've got that extra knowledge. And I think knowledge is always cost money. It always has. And it, yes. in, in, in it always will. Um, I can't remember the last time I bought something online, clothing or equipment. Do you, can you see this buying online? Can you see the bubble bursting or if not bursting, decreasing in the next five to 10? Hmm. It's, um, yeah, it's a good point. Um, I think there are always going to be some people who will want to shop that way. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess like you, um, um, I've had a few experiences of, of buying clothes online where I've, I've bought them and they haven't been, uh, 
as I expected, or the or the yeah. sizing has been ridiculous. And yeah. <laughs> and one of the um, and you know, arguably it's it's fashion is one of the kind of areas of retail that is is most affecting the high street in that you've got all these big brands online, you know, uh, Boohoo, Misguided, ASOS, all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fashion spend is is moving online. And that's why you're seeing some businesses like Hassa Fraser, Debenhams, the Arcadia Group all, all struggling. But I think um, it's not all roses for the online fashion mm. retail, retail, uh, online fashion retailers either, because uh, what you're finding is that you might get people who... Uh, who buy five of an item in different sizes and return four of them. And this issue of, of returns is, is becoming a big concern for the online fashion uh, players. So isn't, sorry, on that point, um, my partner does this and I'm going to sort of like, she'll, she'll all of a sudden a lot of bags will arrive from uh, uh, wherever. Yeah. And then it's like, try on a lot of clothes. And then it's normally my job um, to return them. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. How does that? How does that affect it on time? Well, obviously it costs money to send clothes out, so obviously they're getting. And if it's not getting bought, then that's it's getting returned. So it's the whole process of getting it back, checking it, getting it back in the system, resending it out. It's all it's all money. Yeah, exactly. It, um, it might. Um, you know, all these kind of online fashion retailers um, have the advantage of of not having to pay rent and mm. rates uh, on on stores. As they're purely online, mm-hmm. but then you, but you do have, um, you know, all the cost of, uh, of the returns and the processes that you mentioned there, and and I think retailers like ASOS are are struggling a bit to work out, you know, how they can keep offering products at very at very good value prices and mm. make it stack up when people are shopping in this way, and and to an extent, it um, uh, it partly explains why. A business like Next is is doing pretty well because yeah, you can talk about the shop. Yes, you can. You, you, uh, it's easy to take it back to the shop. Yeah, uh, it's all it's all joined up, and yeah. you might and you might well buy something in the shop when you're there anyway. Yeah. Um. So even if you're returning something, it might be that Next actually uh, still gets a sale out of it anyway. Yeah. Um, as you're you know in the place browsing, so in some ways, I think the retailers who who straddle both the online and the offline are in a stronger position. And, and the funny yeah. thing is, is, is that you are seeing um, some of these online brands starting to make moves into the physical retail world. So, so it's not, it's not all one direction. Sometimes it goes, it goes the other way too, where the online brands uh, do realize that it actually benefits them to have a physical presence both in terms of practical things, but um, also in terms of building their brand awareness. Here's, here's a, um, a situation for you. I've profited twice from people ordering offline and then returning it back to the shop because they didn't want it. One was an outdoor coat, which I still wear now regular, which I think online was 150 quid. And for whatever reason, the sizing, whatever, they took it back to the shop and what the shop had done is it was millets. They mm. sort of put it back on the rack, but said uh, return um, reduced price. And I was like, right. okay, I'll have that. And, and randomly, a head torch, which someone had bought offline, I don't mm. know why you'd ever return a head torch, didn't want it, brought it back. I just happened to be in the market for a head torch. 
mm. oh, we, we, we've had this one returned. We don't normally stock it in this shop, so we're going to have to send it back. But instead of sending it back, we can do you at a, at a, at a discount. I'm like, right. Cool. <laughs> so is, does, is, does a retailer think if stuff gets returned, do we have a return section where we say, what does it cost to send stuff back and get it resent out? Or do we put it into a place in a shop and say, this is our return section? Um, can, you, uh, can you sell it before you send it back? What do you think? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it, it probably varies from retailer to retailer. So I guess there are some who will, um, who will indeed sell the return products uh, in their shop if they can and, and others who will just return them straight back to the warehouse. But, uh, but you know, either way, it's, um, it's, it's clearly eating into their margins because one way or another, it's, uh, it's either... Uh, it's either having to be sold at a discount, or it's um, or it's going back to the place where it came from, and is yeah. and is and is taking up resource and people's time as part of that process. But it's but but it's 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 certainly the case that the retailers who do well are the ones who who yeah, and who understand all these processes and try and and make it as as seamless as possible, both both internally for their processes and for the consumer as well. That's a, it's a great point. Um, how do you get this message about, like, how do you, how do people sort of interact with you and, and can a business just get in touch with you and say, oh, Graham, can you, can you come down? We're struggling with this. Like, how do people know about you and how do they, where do they find out about you? Yeah, um, I would say that in many cases, um, it's word of mouth, actually. So it's all those, it's all those things about networking again. Um, um, so it's so it's being part of Durham Business Club, being part of other um, yeah. uh, other networking organisations around the region uh, is important, and then social media too. So so in the last um, in the last two or three years, I've I've had work or certainly inquiries um, off the back of Twitter yeah. and and LinkedIn. Um, and even Facebook and Instagram. So, so, really? um, so all these, um, all these different channels have, have, have delivered me work. So at least when I'm talking to retailers, I can, I can demonstrate that, look, you know, it, it does work. Um, it does and, work, um, yeah. um, and in some cases it's, it can be that you meet somebody, um, in person first and then you, and you stay in touch via social media and then down the line, it might be that something that you post prompts them to think, oh, yeah, that Graham does that. Uh, yeah. I wonder if he can help with this. So uh, it's often a long game. It's, it's very rare that I, I meet somebody um, and something happens straight away. Yeah. Uh, uh, often it can be months or even years down yeah, the line. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anywhere in the UK, high street wise, that is particularly bonded well together and is sort of defying what's going on across the trends. Like I'm sort of thinking of a Harrogate, a York, a Ripon, you know, somewhere like that, or is everywhere sort of feeling the same problems? Um, it's, it's very varied actually. Um, so, so as part of, um, of what I like to do, I, I travel around an awful lot. So I, I think I've, I've been to about 600 different towns over the last wow. decade or so. So I've, 
I've I've seen lots of places and and to be fair um a lot of them are doing okay you know I, I I would say there are probably more really buoyant high streets right than there are, than there are really dying ones yeah so yeah okay I've seen I've seen a few that have been in really poor shape but but the, but more that are doing well so um I suppose to think of some that are doing well um uh, and one that I always like is a place called Bigger uh, in Lanarkshire in Scotland so uh, right. uh, so it's spelt uh, B I G A R and it's a little Bigger. town yeah about 4 or 5000 people I think and um, and it's and it's nearly all independents and oh wow I'll have to go to Bigger yeah and um and there's very rarely any empty shops. The ones that there are tend to get filled up quickly. Um, and you've got a good mix of, of a nice um, pie shop and a butcher and little oh, boutiques nice. and, a, and a hardware store. And I think there's a bookshop still. So, so it's, it's, um, it's, a really, it's a really vibrant community. So that's a I'm, good one. Um, I'm going to ask you for your top five now. That's your top oh, goodness five me. best high streets. I've, on, I've always asked... <laughs> I'm always asked this question. I should, uh, oh, right. I should, <laughs> I should have a, I should have my answers more. Defend, yeah, no. really. Um, <laughs> another top one three. That I, top three. Yes, another one that I like is um, uh, is Guildford in Surrey. That's quite a, right. uh, um, it's a bigger place but quite vibrant. Yeah, it's um, affluent area as well, isn't it? Affluent area, and that does yeah. help. Um, um, I also like Newbury in Berkshire. Is another kind of nice, yeah, uh, high street with a. Um, and some quite nice independence mixed in there as well. Cool. Um, I'm thinking about the northeast. I suppose the place that I like in the northeast probably best um, is Morpeth. It's a Morpeth. Oh really? Is, um, wow. Yeah, Morpeth. yeah. It's um, it's a very um, it's a very nice centre. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got an old department store. It's got a nice shopping centre. Who I've worked with, with actually. Yeah. And the shopping centre is um is nicely integrated into the town. Oh, and again, cool. um, a good mix of of, of some decent brand names, but also some quite distinctive um, independent shops and bars and things, which make going to Morpeth a nice day out. So, Brilliant. Um, have you seen any new trends coming in and doing well? Obviously, um, veganism is on the rise. Um, that's, the, that's the main one, I think, that sort of really jumps out. Is there any sort of, like, vegan shops opening up anywhere that you've seen? I mean, you know, it seems to me that there would be, like, a almost like there should be, like, a... I think if someone opened up a vegan-only supermarket, for me, it, it would absolutely... Like, it should, realistically, it should really do really well. Mm. Um, I don't yes. know if there's anything like that. Yeah, I suppose um, a lot of these kind of things you would tend to see first... Um, in London and those kind mm. of places, rather than necessarily in the northeast. So, yeah. Um, but, but I think there's certainly a a general theme around um, around healthy living and wellness, of which of which uh, veganism is is a part, and all the uh, all, all the things around plastic free products as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Plastic free. Uh, kind, yeah. uh, kind of gluten free products. Um, mm. um, all these all these kind of things that, that are about living more sustainable lives perhaps and um, or, um, or making sure that, that all of yeah. us 
yeah. have got access to the products we need uh, or whatever yeah. our circumstances and yeah, so definitely. um um so there's an element of that in um in chestley street for example you've got yeah. the uh, quite well-known refuse cafe which is a fantastic uh, place um it took a it took a building that that had been empty for quite some years and was a real blight on the town centre yeah. and has turned it into a cafe. And it's one of those uh, places that is, it's pay as you feel. Um, um, and, and all the, uh, all the food is, is food that would have been wasted. So it comes oh, from the local, wow. so it comes from the local Tesco and other places and it's turned into, into beautiful meals, um, really hearty food that, that is available to people uh you know at whatever price they can afford so so it's it's um wow. it, so it's a nice it's a nice venue it's popular with all kinds of people um it's tapping into that sense of high streets being a community hub um and and the people who are behind it are are very uh openly campaigning as well around all kinds of related yeah, yeah. issues so it's yeah, not yeah. just a cafe it's a place that is trying to uh, to really implement change and be an influencer so i think it's it's fantastic that you have that in chesterley street because it's um it's it's a great local resource but also it's it's something that is really important i think um you've said the word there you, you you've said the, the word influencer what do you make of shops brands using people from social media i mean there's some um negativity with it at the moment because a few people from TOWIE who, who have been caught out lying about brands um what you sort of take on on that front would you recommend it yeah I think um it really comes down to what is the fit between the brand and the person because yeah. um um what was I seeing today oh I saw um I saw a tweet about um about Poundland um <laughs> and and they've got um oh god what's the name um Gemma uh Collins yes I think it was her who they've signed up as their kind of Poundland ambassador wow and and you know it it it, it seemed a slightly unlikely combination in the same way as when uh kind of Asda had Sharon Osborne like uh. advertising you know yeah. 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 what on earth are the chances of Sharon Osborne going Being into Asda it Not just seemed sense. a ridiculous connection so I think you know, if ultimately it comes down to whether it seems real and mm. whether it feels authentic and if people can plausibly uh see that this person would yeah would shop in that store or or wear that outfit or use that product you know it, then fine uh, but but i think so often you get these crazy combinations mm. that end up doing more harm than good yeah, um, I so, totally agree with you there. That's um, yeah, Gemma Collins in Poundland. That's like that's like sales buying sharks toothbrushes. Do you know what I mean? It's I think it, not, I, not going to happen. I think it was that. Don't quote me. I'm I'm worried that that I got it wrong now. But I'll, uh, um, she won't she won't tell you anyway. Don't if you Google it. it, if you Google yeah. it afterwards and make sure I haven't been making this up, but it was. I can't was, think of any of the Gemmas. I think yes, I, I'm, I can um, I can quickly check on. I'm yeah, go for it. I'm talking to you. So, yeah, uh, we're, yeah, no, it's fine. You, you, you fa fact check. Um, yeah, I'll do a fact check while I talk to you. What one place where I think does extremely well is um, Whitby. What's your take on Whitby? That's a fantastic um, town centre. Yes, it is. It's um, it's, 
I wouldn't say it's necessarily a, a particularly strong retail center as a place to yeah. go and shop, but yeah, but it, yeah. But it works as a place because it's got some, um, it's place got a real, sense. yeah, it's a, it's a lovely kind of place to explore and it's got a real buzz about it. And obviously it's popular with tourists. And, mm. and so in a sense, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that it's, it's not necessarily the best place to go and do yeah. a shop because by and large, it's not, it's not why mm. you go there. It's, it's got, it's got lots of the basics that you need. It's got, mm. um, yeah, you know, it's got a branch of boys, which is a useful store yeah. in all these uh, all these northern towns. It's um, it's got Poundland, I think, and Mountain Warehouse, and yeah, all the all the kind of staple things that you might require. So, I, so I, I love Whitby. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a really nice place to go and uh, and spend some time because it's not just about the shops; it's about the uh, the Abbey and the and the narrow streets and the galleries yeah. and the fish and yeah. chips and you know all the other things that you want to do there. So yeah, it's a pleasant it's a pleasant environment. Um, Graham, we're sort of really rocketing through the show, so we're going to start of start thinking about the five watts. So the first one, um, what's the greatest advice you've been given? Oh yes, um, and just to kind of come back on Gemma Collins. Uh. <laughs> it is Gemma Collins. Um, although GC GC's Rock and Poundland, yeah. Yes, although apparently kind of Poundland has denied offering Gemma Collins 1.1 million to front wow. a new range. So, so who wow. knows? By the time this goes out, we might yeah. know a bit more about about okay whether it's true or not. But yeah. anyway, to, yeah. to park that yeah. and um, <laughs> and to talk about the best advice, I was thinking about this before, and I was I was thinking I I tend not to get offered advice very often, and I um I was wondering if it's because people perceive that I'm that I already know everything that I need to. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, I guess you can sometimes think that to people, can't you? If you, mm -hmm. if you see them doing well, you don't always realise that, that, in fact, they might well have advice that they need. Um, so I suppose the thing that, it's not particularly advice, but I suppose the thing that I would say is that um, I've always tried to be um, honourable and ethical in the work that I do and to, and to treat people in the way that yeah. I want them to treat me. Um, yeah, and so it's not necessarily advice that, that I've had, but it's what you but give guess, out. Yeah, it's what I give out. And I guess my instinct has always been that. And then in talking to people, they seem to confirm that in fact, yes, you, you know, that Get is, brand, yeah. th that is, a uh, it's important. And, um, um, also I was going to say, uh, um, I think, Again, not it's not really advice, but um, but we mentioned uh, you know, uh, Andrew from Rome already. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I think um, yeah, he's uh, he's been a really good influence actually because um, he doesn't realise it probably, but uh, <laughs> but he's such a positive person. I've yeah. I've I've never heard him moan about anything, and mm. and that's made me think because I you know I, I I'll occasionally complain or grumble about stuff and. And actually, kind of, uh, meeting Andrew has made me a bit more reflective of cool. when, of of when I'm, I'm yeah, being yeah. more negative than I should be. So I, it's oh, it's helping fun. me have a more positive outlook because I'm positive anyway. Yeah, but, yeah. But it makes me stop and think when I'm about to complain about something or 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 to talk to someone. I think, yeah, how can I be nicer? And yeah, uh, no, that's a that's a that's a fair one. Um, second one, uh, what's on your bucket list? Yeah, the bucket list. Um, I suppose um, um, 
I would like to do more television really as I've 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 quite I've quite often appeared on television um right cool um and so I would I would love to have my own TV show um it, wow so so it's not it's not necessarily a thing that I can make happen yeah um, I guess a bucket list is is something yeah, that, yeah. It's, it's aspiring, is a thing, yeah. but I'd like to do that and um and I would I would love to have a home uh, in Slovenia. Slovenia is a is a country that I go to a lot, and right. uh, it's a beautiful place. It's great for walking, actually. And yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'd love to have a a place of my own out there at some point in my life. Um, and then um, I, I guess a bit embarrassingly, I I I would love to go to a Eurovision Song Contest at some point. As I as I've been That's a fan. Wrong. Yeah, nothing wrong with that, mate. I won't judge you. I've been a fan for so many years, but I've never actually been to one in person. And, yeah, uh, no, it's, um, uh, it's partly because it's uh, it's never in the UK, of course, because our uh, our songs usually rubbish and don't win. But but yeah. uh, but but you know, if there was one uh, a bit closer, um, say in Dublin, even uh, you know, I'd be up for it. Fair, fair play. Um, third one. Um, what's your toughest day? Toughest day. Um. Yeah, I suppose again because I have a generally optimistic outlook, I, I, I struggled a bit to think of um of what my toughest day was. Although it was probably when I quit my job, um, right. because so before I I became the retail consultant that I am yeah. now, I I had a a regular job, um, which I enjoyed in many ways and got a lot of value out of. But but you know it it wasn't really me because um I. I'm very creative. I, I, I like doing my own thing, and yeah. um, I, and so I knew that it felt right to quit that job. Yeah. But, uh, but in the same way that anyone is who's making that leap, it's um, it's a big. Yeah. It's big it's quite step. scary. It's yeah. it's a scary step to make. So uh, yeah, no, so I'm sure. glad that I did it, and it's it's worked out. It's worked out fine in the end. But it's but, it's obviously scary. Yeah. It's scary at the point of being in the middle of it all. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, what's been your happiest day? Um, I think there were lots of highlights actually. Um, um, again, flipping it back to the uh, to the bucket list one, I think I think one of the of the most fun days was when I I appeared on the one show. So I was. Um, so I was. Um, it was a pre-recorded thing, but it, but but it was it was lovely to see. Yeah. Um, everyone's reaction when I, I appeared on national TV. That was really fun. Um, and it was quite an achievement as well, because I, um, I wasn't, I wasn't very confident at school. Um, I wasn't somebody who would ever speak in class unprompted. So, so yep. I always, I always get a real buzz of when I, I Fair do there. TV and things because, you know, it, it, it was a hard thing to do um, in the first place. And I've, I've developed those, skills over time yeah, i suppose that's um, great one sure brilliant yeah i think sometimes well um the happiest days are ones that you don't realize are happiest until afterwards mm. um it might be that you meet someone um at an event or in passing and you don't realize um until later on yeah. what a positive impact they will have on your life yeah so, yeah, no, yeah fair enough fair enough um and finally graham what's next either for yourself or your business yes um what's next um i suppose um 
being 10 years in is a good time to reflect on on the uh-huh. business really and and i think i've i've achieved a lot of of what i i want to achieve with it uh, which is good but the issue i have now i suppose is that there's only one of me so mm. so it's how do i how do i deal with uh, um spreading myself more widely without being spliced yeah, uh, far yeah, too yeah. thinly so so I think um, that really is the next step. I, I, don't, I don't really have an interest in, in employing people. I don't want to be a boss. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. As part of the joy of being self-employed is, is, is the freedom and the creativity and yeah. all those things that I don't want to give up to be in charge of people. Yeah. But I think, um, I think there's probably scope for more collaboration uh, in the future. So kind of, so finding trusted people who who share my kind of ethos and, and my outlook and who I can work with um, in a kind of independent way to Brilliant. to support each other and um, and to and to grow our respective businesses and, and yeah. to work that way rather than uh, kind of growing my business necessarily just yeah, kind of yeah. finding uh, partners who are who are you know, uh, you know other small businesses who are doing great work yeah no um absolutely fantastic graham um and that ladies and gentlemen brings us to the end of our show um i want to thank graham for coming on he's um gives some absolute brilliant insights i think if you're a shop owner or you're in retail um definitely take on board what he said um very insightful uh here he's very big on twitter which he'll tell you himself in a minute um Graham is a high street guru, and I think he sort of proved that with uh, his knowledge bombs that he's dropped today. Uh, Graham, where can people find you, please, on the platforms? Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm quite easy to find. So if um, it helps having a, it helps having a Googleable name. So it's um, it's Graham G R A H A M, and then yeah. Salt um, S for Sierra O U L T. So if yeah. you Google me, you'll find everything. But yeah, uh, but broadly, I'm um, I'm on Twitter at Salt. S-A-U-R-T. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and if you if you go to cannyinsights.com, that's uh, it's my website where you can Brilliant. find more about the kind of work that I do as well. Brilliant. Ladies and gentlemen, that's been Graham. Uh, thank you very much for his time. Graham, good night. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, next week on the Eagle Podcast, I'm trying to track down some more epic guests and I shall keep you posted. But Graham, you've been epic tonight. Thanks for your oh, knowledge thank you. on the high street. And I will... See you on an adventure, hopefully soon. All be well. (laughs) Adios.